hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Give you all the glory, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Bless your name, my God. We bless your name. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Do you love the Lord this morning? Amen. It's good to be in God's house this morning. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. It's good to be in God's house. Amen. It's good to see everyone that is here today. Praise the Lord. First of all, um, for those of you who tried to watch the live stream last week, I apologize. The audio uh, did not work very well. I believe I've got the problem fixed now, so hopefully this is going to be okay. And we're just going to do some quick testing off to the side there while we make sure that's working. Um, that means our podcast will be up and running as well. Amen. But nothing beats being in church in person. Amen. Amen. There's something special about being in God's house on God's day. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn in them with me to the Gospel of John. And you know, when we have a service, everything we do is with intention, amen? And ultimately, we want to hear from God and we want our lives to be changed. We don't want to leave the same way that we came. And so everything we do leads us to the next step, that leads us to the next step, that leads us to that step, to have our lives, our hearts changed by God, amen? The reason we come to church and we open with prayer is we want to prepare our hearts, we then worship to further enter into the presence of God to make our hearts ready to receive God's Word. God's Word comes, we hear God's Word, and then there's an opportunity to apply it to our life in the altar service, amen? And so, after this, I want to have a time of prayer up the front. And I believe that God is going to change people's lives today. I believe God's Word is just as powerful today as it was last year, as it was 20 years ago, as it was at... Azusa Street as it was in the book of Acts, amen? It still changes lives. John chapter 7, I want to read from. John chapter 7 and verse 37 is where my text is. If you've got it there, say amen. Amen. John seven thirty-seven in the New King James Version says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood... And cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. 
He who believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spake, verse 39, concerning the Spirit, whom those believing on him should receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Amen. I want to borrow the words of Jesus this morning, and I want to title my message, If Anyone Thirsts. If anyone thirsts, Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that we could be in your presence. I love you, God. I'm honored to serve you. I pray, Lord, your word would touch my heart, Lord God. I pray your word would touch the hearts of those who listen. And, Lord, that we would respond, Lord, because I know, God, that we are all going through periods of thirstiness from time to time. We stand on your word today in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. To give you a little bit of a background, thank you. To give you a little bit of a background to what is going on here, the situation that's happening in Jerusalem is it is the Feast of Tabernacles. It goes by a variety of different names. Perhaps more modern term is Sukkot, the Feast of Sukkot. It's also known as the Feast of Booths. And the Feast of Tabernacles celebrated the time that the children of Israel traveled across the wilderness. They had come out of the land of Egypt. God had delivered them. There was the ten plagues and they crossed the Red Sea. And, and the Feast of Tabernacle was, was celebrating the time when the children of Israel were traveling across the wilderness and the Lord's provision did not fail. God never let them down once in the years that they wandered the wilderness. In fact, in your Bibles, in Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 5, it says, The Lord talking, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you. Your sandals have not worn out on your feet. I imagine those children of Israel would have walked a lot of miles and never once having to replace their sandals. God's provision was with them. Amen. One of the ways in which they commemorated that time at the time when Jesus was in Jerusalem was that they would build little booths. That's why it's called the Feast of Booths. They would build little houses out of tree branches and maybe some old construction material. And, and they were flimsy structures, but they would live in them for the duration of the feast because while they were living in them, it would symbolize the time when Israel as a nation was on very shaky ground where they would just come out. They were basically a nation of slaves, but with God on their side, they were invincible. And while all around them, things looked shaky, things looked uncertain, it didn't look like on paper they were going to be victorious, they were going to successfully make it to the promised land. The Feast of Booths celebrated the fact that God was with them. And so by living in these little flimsy booths instead of their nice comfortable houses, they would remember this is what it was like as a nation. You know, we were pretty flimsy, we were pretty shaky, but God was with us. Amen. It was a reminder of how the Lord had kept them in the wilderness after they left the land of Egypt. And I think if you could really boil it down, what this feast was really celebrating was the fact that Yahweh, the God of the Israelite children, was far different to all the other gods around them. And He was different for one very special reason. All the other gods were based in a location. And all the other gods were unapproachable. And all the other gods were distant. And all the other gods allowed their people no access to them. But this God, the God of Israel, He was close to His people. 
people. He was extraordinarily close to his people. He dwelt in a tabernacle. He allowed his glory to shine. The Bible tells us that they were led by a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. God's presence was visible amongst his people. He was a God that was extraordinarily close to his people. And so the Feast of Tabernacles would celebrate the fact that our God is a God who is close to us. Our God is a God who cares about his people. Our God is a God who keeps his promise. Our God is a God of the covenant. Our God will honor his word. And that's what they were celebrating when they would celebrate this. And, and the Bible tells us that it was the last day. The feast went for seven days and it was the last day. The great day of the feast. And the Bible tells us that Jesus cried out. And the Greek here indicates that it was not just some little gentle thing that Jesus said. He didn't just get the attention of his disciples and say, hey, by the way, if anyone thirsts. No, he didn't just do it so a few people there. But the Bible says that he cried out. He lifted his voice and he shouted. He said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Amen. You know, there was something within Jesus that had stirred his spirit. For seven days he'd been watching this feast, this celebration happen, and something happened that stirred the heart of Jesus to make him want to stand up in the front of all those people and shout out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And you know, on the seven days, each day there was a ceremony that happened. And, and I, I believe that this could be what happened when Jesus was talking because he references a scripture in Isaiah in this passage we read. But over the seven days there was a ceremony where a priest would walk down to the pool of Shalom. And he would get down on his hands and his knees and he would dip this pitcher in and he would scoop some water out of the pool of Shalom. And he would walk back to the temple mount, back to the altar. And he would give that picture to another priest. But while he was walking back to the altar, there was a crowd of people that would follow him. And the crowd would be praying. They would say, Lord, we need you to be our deliverer. They'd be saying, Lord, we are desperate for you to show up. Lord, we need your salvation is what they would be praying. They would be praying, Lord, we are destitute without you. And this is what they would pray every day as the priest would walk back to the temple mount, to the altar. And when he would get there, there would be another priest there. And he would take the water from the priest who had carried it all the way to the temple. And as he would take it, he would quote Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3. He would say, therefore with joy you will draw waters out of the wells of salvation. And he would pour the water out over the altar. And the water would seep down into the altar and into the cracks and into the dust. And then kind of evaporate. And on the second day, the priest would do the same. He'd go down to the pool of water. He would pick up the pitcher of water. He would walk back and the people would be praying, Lord, we need a deliverer. Lord, we need a savior. Lord, we're destitute without you. Lord, we need you. And then on the third day, that ceremony would be repeated. And then on the fourth day, it would be repeated. And on the fifth day, it would be repeated. And so on and so forth until the seventh day. And on the seventh day, the last day, the great day of the feast, everything would build to a crescendo and the crowd would be bigger than ever before. And they're all praying, Lord, 
Lord, we need a Savior. Lord, we need a Deliverer. Lord, we're lost without you. Lord, we're destitute without you. Oh, Savior of Israel, where are you? And it's at this point Jesus stands up and he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Amen. See, while they were celebrating a promise, they were celebrating that God would be their salvation. They were celebrating that God would one day come and rescue them. And while they chafed under a Roman occupation, they hung on to the promise of a deliverer who would save them. And while they celebrated the promise, the fulfillment of that promise stood among them. And while they longed for a deliverer, their deliverer had already arrived. And while they spoke, about drawing water from the wells of salvation. The very source of salvation had already arrived right here under their very noses. Jesus stands and cries out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. As they celebrated a time past, when God was near to his people they missed the fact that once again God was near his people again Matthew 1.21 the angel spoke to Joseph and said she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus why? because he would save his people from their sins the very name meant Yahweh has become our salvation You see, I believe that they had settled for a promise. And I think that's what motivated Jesus to cry out. They were happy just doing their celebration. They were happy pouring out the water offering onto the altar each day. They were happy to pray. And they prayed the right prayers. And perhaps they were even sincere prayers. But Jesus was desperate to get the attention of his people. In fact, the Bible tells us in John 1.11 that he came to his own. And his own received him not. And as they were celebrating the promise of Messiah, they missed Messiah standing right in their midst. What futility. To continually celebrate a coming promise year after year after year. And then to miss it when it's right there in front of them. And you know, I got to wondering as I prayed and as I prepared to preach. I got to wondering is, I wonder if perhaps sometimes we fall in love more with the idea of being a Christian than in with Jesus Christ himself. I wonder if we get used to doing church that it becomes more of a tradition than we would like to admit. I wonder if we just read our Bible and we just pray mechanically because we know that's just what we are meant to do. But I wonder if Jesus could look deep into our hearts and see that while on the surface we pretend that we've got it all together, we look the part, we know the right scriptures, we know the right words, we know the right doctrines, but I wonder this morning if deep into our hearts Jesus is crying, if anyone thirsts, come to me and drink. I wonder if the God who has been extraordinarily close to his people can be close to his people once more. Oh, my friends, I don't want to be enamored with the process of living for God that I miss the living water that he promises us every single day. Oh, hallelujah. And it's living water that he offers 
to the dwellers of Jerusalem. The dry, arid country around it, water, was essential to life. Water was essential to life, and when Jesus spoke of living water, it was water that was not stagnant. It was fresh water. It was running water, and it brought life. And Jesus was claiming that for anyone who would come to him, they would have a never-ending supply of this water. What are you saying, Jesus? We live in a desert. There's not much water out here. The people in Jerusalem would be saying, you know, we've been a nomadic people in times past. We've had to live and be, be in our villages where their wells of water were. We couldn't just pitch a city or pitch a tent anywhere. No, we had to wait till we had water somewhere. Excuse me. You know, our fathers fought over wells in this region. Wells were so important to the children of Israel. Cities were built around wells because water just was not everywhere. And here's Jesus. He's saying, I know that water is not everywhere, but I am the living water. If anyone comes to me, he will never thirst again. And you know, can I tell somebody today, we live in an arid world. There's not much out there that satisfies the soul. As a matter of fact, I would say there's nothing out there that really satisfies the soul. There is much that will take from us and rob from us and steal from us. And there's not a whole lot that will give back to us like Jesus gives back to us. We search and we hunt for fulfillment. We look for it in work. We look for it in relationships. We look for it everywhere we can. And in doing so, we miss something that is right under our our noses sometimes uh, the living water that Jesus is saying and, and he's saying come to me if you're thirsty I can fulfill you I can restore you I can sustain you see the problem is uh, we're a nomadic people sometimes we wander over to this place uh, to look fulfillment over here and we wander over there to see if there's satisfaction over here and we wander over here looking for restoration in our heart and Jesus is there and he's crying out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You know, we have so many untils we like to put up. Until I get the next high, I'm dying. Until I spend time with that person, I'm lost. Until I'm understood. Until I'm accepted. Until I'm loved. Until someone sees my point of view. And the whole time, we are dying of thirst. And we're hungry for more of God. And we just don't realize it because we are looking in all the wrong places. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Oh, hear the voice of Jesus in your heart right now. He said, come on. Come on. You know that's not worth it. You know that's not going to bring any kind of satisfaction. Bible says the pleasures of sin are for a season. But the living water that Jesus promises, promises restoration promises renewal, promises growth, promises strength. You know, Jesus said in verse 38, He that believes on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. See, it's a, it's a heart job that happens when Jesus fills you with the Holy Spirit. Something is going on in your heart. 
And you know, when, when we look around outside, it does seem to be a desert world out there. There's no news like bad news. Everything you read in the papers today is negative, it seems. Everything you see on social media is bad. Heartbreak and sorrow is everywhere. The ravages of sin are everywhere. And you know what? Sometimes it's easy to get overwhelmed with all of that. It's easy to get dry. It's easy to get parched. It's easy to withdraw from God's presence. We begin to feel like there's no hope. We begin to wonder like when will it all end? What is my way out of this? What is the situation that I can solve? But when we have living water inside of us, oh my friends, there is a place where we can go, where we can be sustained, where we can be renewed and refreshed and revived in God's presence. And suddenly, oh precious Jesus, suddenly a God who seems so far away can suddenly once again be extraordinarily close to His people once more. You see, when we get living water, it doesn't matter how bad things get. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. It doesn't matter the circumstances or the situation that we find ourselves in. But what becomes important then is, is my relationship with God right? If it is, then great. Everything else will work itself out in time. But right now, I'm going to stay next to the living water that God has promised me. Doesn't matter what's going right or wrong in our world, there can be something that sustains us, that keeps us, that renews us, that refreshes our relationship with God if anyone thirsts. Let him come to me and drink. As we get ready to wrap up this morning, you know, the Bible tells us that Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing on him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. He was talking about his presence that was going to dwell in the hearts of his people. And again, like in times past, the Almighty God was going to be extraordinarily close to his people. Not in a tabernacle that was made with hands, but in our hearts. Not just to the people of Israel, but Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he said, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And it's because of the infilling of the Holy Spirit that we know God is close to us. 1 John 4.13 says, by this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. But as we all stand this morning, the problem is, and I'm not saying I've got this worked out, but the problem is, is that life has a way of getting between us and our relationship with God. We allow things to come between us. We allow things to clog our mind. We allow ourselves to worry and fret to stress about the outcomes, to not try and leave it in God's hands, but we take these things and we worry about them ourselves and we begin to dry out and dry out and dry out. And before you know it, the living water that brings life, it slows down to a trickle. And we wonder why 
we begin to struggle. You know, I, I don't think it's a deliberate thing. I don't think it's something that we make a conscious decision to allow happen in our life, but it happens slowly over time and we suddenly wake up one day and we realize, I'm so dry. I'm so dry. I'm thirsty. And the good thing is, is Jesus is still there. He lifts His voice into your heart and He says, Hey, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Come to me and be restored. Come to me and be refreshed. Come to me and be renewed. We can allow God to refocus our minds and our hearts and our souls and our spirit on what is important, which is our relationship with God. And this morning, we're going to open up these altars. And again, you know, there's only a few of us here today. So I want everybody to come down the front. I don't want anyone to stick back. And I want us all to come down to the front and we are going to talk to the Lord together. Because you know what? If I'm being honest, there's been periods in my life where I've been dry. There's been times in my life where I've wondered what in the world is going on, Lord. There's been times in my life where I've tried to look at everything and just said, Jesus, I just can't figure this out. And Jesus is looking at me saying, Pastor, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. I wonder if we could do that this morning. We're not going to have a massive prayer service. But what we are going to do is we're going to seek God. And if you're here and you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, today can be your day. If you're here and you've allowed the Spirit to just grow a little cold and that water has perhaps become a little stagnant, then today can be the day where God can begin to work on your heart. Hallelujah. Let's begin to pray, precious Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus.